Before I begin, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional custodians of the land on which this work was developed and is presented. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome back to the Community Library, a podcast, book club and discussion space. I'm your host, Angowry Rice. So this month, the theme for the podcast is Fiction in Translation, and for this episode, I have decided to embark on a journey to read more translated fiction. Now, instead of implementing this goal over a month or six months or even a year, uh, I have decided to do this in the course of one week. (laughs) So to broaden my horizons, I've decided to read three translated works in one week and see how I go. So to decide what I was going to read, I, of course, took to the Oracle and looked through multiple sources and lists and articles and YouTube videos and podcast episodes to see what I should read. And eventually I settled on three books that interested me. Now, because there is so much translated fiction out there, I kind of had to come up with a criteria for myself to narrow my search. So the first criteria, of course, was just what I'm interested in. What do I want to read? What will I actually get through in a week? Uh, The second criteria was kind of length. I didn't want to choose anything that was over 350 to 400 pages. So thankfully, that cut out of basically all of the Russian novels. (laughs) I wasn't going to try and read Anna Karenina in one week. And finally, the most important criteria, I think, is I decided to read books translated from languages that I had never read from before. So I've already read a few books translated from French and German and a few translated from Swedish and one translated from Japanese. So I didn't want to read from those languages again, so I had to find new ones. Now, the first book that I found was from the Reading Women podcast. This is a podcast that I follow that I love. Uh, I will have their links down below if you are interested. And they did a whole month on fiction in translation as well a few years ago. And they mentioned this book called The Impossible Fairy Tale by Han Yuju. This is translated from Korean by Janet Hong. And this book is from South Korea and was published in 2013, but I believe only translated into English in 2017. So I chose this one because the themes of the book really intrigued me. This is about two girls who are about 11 and 12 in school. And what Goodreads said is that it's about art making and the ethics of art making and horrible things start happening. And they said it's very creepy and twisted and weird. So I was really intrigued by that and um, I'm excited to give that one a go. Next up, I looked on Book Riot and I found a list of classic translated works. And from that list, I chose If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Calvino. This is translated from Italian by William Weaver and is from Italy and was published in 1979. So I don't know much about this one. Uh, Truth be told, I chose it because it's considered a a classic, I guess, and also because apparently it's very experimental and it's kind of famous. I knew the title, I didn't really know what it was about, but because I knew the title and it's an experimental work translated from Italian, I was like, yeah, sure, let's give it a go. Also, it's short. Finally, I was scrolling on Scribd. This is an app where you can access books and ebooks and audiobooks and articles and sheet music um, all with your subscription. Uh, so they also do features and 
lists and reading lists and things like that to highlight certain books on a particular theme. So when I was scrolling through, I saw that they had a Ramadan reading list. And so I tapped on that because I thought some of the works in there might be translated and one of them was. So one of the books on this list was The Enlightenment of the Green Gauge Tree by Shokufe Azar, translated from Farsi by Adrian Kijek. And this author is from Iran, but now lives in Australia. And this was published in 2017. And this is also her first novel to be translated into English. This one interested me because the author now lives here in Australia. She came here in 2011 as a political refugee. And it also interested me because it's magical realism and it takes inspiration from the classical uh, style of Persian storytelling. So those are the three books that I chose. I'm going to try and read all three this week. It's Friday the 1st of May now, so I will start this weekend and hopefully be finished by Sunday the 10th. I'll take you guys along with me. Wish me luck. Let's do this. It's Saturday now, so it's the day after I last talked to you, and I am 100 pages into The Impossible Fairy Tale by Han Yuju, and... Um, it's really weird. It's like, I, I think I said it was about um, like the ethics of art making. I don't know where I got that from. I think it must have been from Goodreads. And I just saw like art and ethics and I just put them together, but I could be completely wrong. Anyway, it's not really about that. Uh, we're following two 12-year-old girls in middle school. One of them is like really rich and has quite a comfortable life and the other one has a really terrible life. And it's about their relationship and what happens to them and how their stories are connected. It's also a really interesting one. I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't pick this up knowing that this was a feature of it, but there's a lot of wordplay. And so I think that's going to be really interesting to talk about in terms of translation. In the first 75 pages, there was a note from the translator explaining a certain um, aspect, a certain thing. I'll talk about it later when I wrap up the week. But um, yeah, it's kind of really interesting to read something in a language that I know absolutely nothing about you know if it was translated from French and they had a bit of wordplay or they had a few French words in there like I would be kind of fine because I did French in high school but because I don't speak Korean and they use a completely different alphabet completely different characters um, it makes the reading experience very different I'm enjoying it so far it's just kind of like it's weird and I'm very worried that it's everything is going to go horribly wrong <laughs> So I will uh, check in with you later. So it's Monday the 4th today. Uh, oh, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> I didn't update you yesterday because it was my dad's birthday. So we were busy doing birthday things in isolation. But yesterday I did read quite a bit of The Impossible Fairy Tale. I'm more than halfway through now and I finished part one. And part one was kind of telling the story of these two girls and their lives and how their lives intersect. And it kind of built up to this like really powerful climactic ending. And I was like, oh my God, so now we're going to see the aftermath in part two. Um, but I've started reading part two and it's really weird. Part two is like, we're from a different perspective now. We're from first person perspective rather than third person. So we don't know who's talking. And at the moment, nothing is really making sense and nothing is really fitting into the story. Uh, so I guess I'll just have to stick it out and see what happens. I'm planning to finish it today. So I guess by the end of this, I will have more 
insight and uh, I will know more about what actually happens. I must say like the first half of this book, part one, was really great and I would say like four to five stars. So I'm worried that part two is going to bring it down, but hopefully... Hopefully I end up liking it. Hopefully it comes together at the end. Um, But I guess we will see. So it's Tuesday the 5th now. Uh, It's a day later. I was supposed to finish The Impossible Fairy Tale yesterday, but the day just got away from me. So we're here today. We're going to finish it. Um, I have now figured out what's actually happening in part two partially with the help of Goodreads, which basically explains it. So in part two, we're following the author of this book, like the book that I'm reading, um, and she is confronted with one of the characters from part one. So we understand that the author has written this story, and then part two is the author being confronted with one of the characters from this story that we have also just read. And so she's dealing with that. I don't know if I love the writing style as much in part two. Uh, I think it's a little, it's a—it's just confusing. It's like reading something through a screen or underwater, if that makes sense. Uh, but I have about 40 pages left. I'm anxious to see how she wraps it up uh, in just 40 pages. And I'm going to sit down and read it now. So I just finished reading The Impossible Fairy Tale by Han Yuju, translated from Korean by Janet Hong. Um... Oh man, I feel like, um, I feel like I need to like have some time to process it. It, it was, was so intense and, um, complicated and, but, but also like strangely very subtle and understated. Like she describes these wild things that like are not normal as if they're just normal, um, it's, yeah, it was fascinating. Uh, so as I as I mentioned before, um, this book is divided into two parts and the first part follows these two girls um, who are in the same class at school, one of whom is pretty and rich and popular and leads a relatively easy life. And the other girl is basically the opposite of that. She has this this kind of anger inside of her that drives her to do terrible things. Part two, we are following the author of the book that we are reading and she is confronted with one of the characters from the story that she has written and she has to deal with that. But it's like, it's not in like this, oh my God, my character has come out of the book. It's like, like she always knew that this would happen and she has to, like basically the character comes and she says, I am not responsible for my terrible actions in the story. You are responsible. You have to take responsibility for what you made me do. And you are the real criminal in this situation. And so the author is left, like she's trying to reconcile that. Um, She doesn't know how to take responsibility for this uh, because it should, the blame should lie with her characters, but she's kind of the overlord of it all. And yet a lot of it is about ethics and raises questions as to, you know, once you write something, once you create characters, are they, how real are they and how, how responsible are you for what they do? Can they, can they come out of their story and do their own thing? Essentially, can they write themselves? The way I'm describing it is like simplifying it so much. Like the way that it's talked about in the book is so 
not that obtuse, like it's really subtle. <laughs> um, so I could also be taking completely the wrong message from it, but that's what I got from it. I really liked it. I really liked it. Once I figured out what was happening in the second part, I I was hooked. Such a fascinating premise, such a fascinating story. Um, I think it's written beautifully. Yeah, I think the only negative is that the second part was really confusing to me. But apart from that, I, I thought it was fantastic. But it's like, it's one that I, I need to think about more because it's it was so, it was just not what I expected at all. And it's one of those books that kind of left me feeling a little unsettled. Like, God, what have I just witnessed? <laughs> I chose this book uh, not knowing much about it. And I actually kind of chose a really interesting one to talk about in terms of translation because there is so much wordplay in this book. And like, as I was reading through it, I was highlighting stuff like, oh my gosh, how how did she translate that? I just want to read you a sentence here. The best word is I, as in I on your face, because it's the same even when you read it backward and it sounds exactly the same as I. But maybe it's not good after all, because it rhymes with die. But die has more than one meaning. And there's also die, as in dyeing one's hair. I throw a die. I swallow die. I die. So there is a lot of wordplay in that. We've got two meanings of the word I. And then also you have to rhyme I with die. (laughs) And then die has multiple meanings and multiple spellings as well. So I bet that in the Korean version, that is not the same. Like I highly doubt that those words work in the same way as they do in English. Um, So I thought that was really fascinating. And the whole book is full of stuff like that. Like one of the characters, uh, the character who's speaking here, like she just goes through words in her head and she relates them and she she does wordplay to like get to a particular point. And I just, I wonder how she translated it. And when I was looking on Goodreads, I found a very in-depth review, which I will link in the show notes, that goes into the translation. I read through it and I thought it was super interesting. So if you're interested in uh, hearing someone who is fluent in Korean and English talk about and explain all the different wordplay and how that was translated, then I will link that review and uh, go check it out. There was only one time where the translator actually added in a footnote, and I wanted to mention it here because I thought it was so interesting. Kim In-jung looks at her with dark eyes. Tell me. Gyok Nyung Digu. My brother gets angry. Then it's scary, he says. Real Myom, he says. I'm definitely pronouncing these things wrong, but that's just kind of how it's written. Uh, and then there's a footnote directly after that from the translator. And she says, here Injung is mispronouncing the first five consonants of the Korean alphabet, which are Gyok, Nyon, Dijut, Ryul, and Myeom. Two of his mispronunciations happen to be actual words. Gyok, which means memory, and Myeom, which means hatred. So again, I definitely mispronounced all of that. Um, but I just thought that was so fascinating that that section is such a great wordplay in Korean and has this really interesting element of this child who 
cannot pronounce the consonants correctly and inadvertently he is saying these words that have meaning in the context of the story and have meaning in terms of what he is saying. But it's completely impossible to translate that into another language. And I just thought that was so fascinating that that was a moment where the translator had to step in and take you out of the world of the story to explain um, the meaning of it and to explain what was happening. And I think that's why I think reading translated fiction is so interesting whether you speak another language or not because it really makes you analyse how intricate language is and how distinctive it is. Overall, I really liked this book. I think I might give it a four or five stars. I don't know. I, I have to think about it more, but it's an amazing story. It's fascinating. And um, if you like Zadie Smith's writing or Helen Oyeyemi's writing, then I would highly recommend this book. Give it a go. It's it's weird. It's wonderful. Um, And it's like nothing I've ever read before. Gosh, it's already Tuesday and I have two books to read. <laughs> before the end of this week. Okay, I can do it. I believe in myself. I hope you believe in me too. I will catch up with you later. It's now Monday the 11th, so it's been over a week since I started this challenge and <laughs> you guys, I told, I've completely failed. I have been making really slow progress on um, If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Calvino. I've just had a few days where I've just been feeling not the best, and so I haven't been motivated to read. Um, instead, I've just been watching Never Have I Ever on Netflix, um, which I'm quite enjoying. So this week, I'm going to get it back on track. This episode is scheduled to come out this Sunday, and I, I believe I can do it. I believe I can finish this novel this week and then start and finish the last one on my challenge list this week as well. I have faith in myself. I hope you have faith in me too. <laughs> now, before I uh, sit down today and actually like really get into uh, reading If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler, I want to tell you a little bit what it's about. So... I'm only, I want to say like 80 pages in, but it's it's quite a short book. It's under, I want to say it's like 250 pages. It's, it's super weird and meta and kind of hard to describe. We're following a character who is reading or who is trying to read If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler um, by Italo Calvino. So we're following this reader who has sat down to read the book that we are currently reading, but he starts reading it and he discovers that it's a misprint and so it's not actually the book that he thinks he's reading. And so then he goes on a quest to find that book and he ends up reading lots of other books in the meantime. And we as the audience get to read those chapters that he's reading as well. If that, if any of that makes sense to you, <laughs> I guess I'm having a bit of an issue with um, just the way it's written, it, it feels so stop-start because we're introduced to so many different stories and so many different characters and none of them are finished. <laughs> the only consistent storyline that we have is, is the man who is reading these books and, and sampling all of these chapters. So that's kind of the only one I'm interested in. Like, why, why would I care? Why would I become invested in a character or a storyline if I know that whenever going to revisit it. So I'm kind of skimming through those chapters going, well, what's the point? I do like the writing style. It's very meta. It's, it's, it's interesting. I don't hate it, um, but I'm not loving it so far. And I'm, I'm just waiting for something interesting to happen. Um, <laughs> so 
uh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to try and read more of that. Hopefully I'll get like two thirds or three quarters of the way through by the end of today and then maybe finish it tomorrow. I guess we'll see. Wish me luck. It's the next day. It's Tuesday. It's 10 a.m. Um, <laughs> and I've made an executive decision to stop reading If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Calvino. Because uh, I was just like straight up not having a good time reading it. Yeah, I want to take care of myself and not put myself through books that I have absolutely no interest in. I'm disappointed. Like, I'm I'm sad that I didn't love it. Um... I really didn't get far enough into it to like give it a proper review or to properly have an opinion on it. I think just the reason why it wasn't holding my attention, and I spoke about this a bit before, how like because we are diving into various different stories along the way (laughs) and we never go back to them again, in my brain I'm like, well, what's the point now? I, I, I don't care about these characters, I don't care about these stories because we're never going to revisit it again. I might as well just skim over it. But then even when when we were following the man who was reading the book and the other woman, the other reader who was also trying also on this quest to like read the book. Uh I just I was bored with them as well. I didn't like it's it's told in second person perspective, which is a choice. Um, so the second person perspective is you. So it's kind of like the author telling you, the reader, you are on this journey to discovering this book. And I didn't like that actually, you know, cause this character you is supposed to be me, if that even makes sense. I didn't like what was imposed upon me as a character. I didn't I felt like the author was assuming that he was writing the average Joe character that could be applied to any reader and I didn't like that and I didn't want to read about this main character especially because I felt imposed upon that it was supposed to be me it was supposed to be the reader I mean I know it's not supposed to be but it just felt that way and I I didn't I didn't enjoy it (sighs) yeah I'm just like not in the mood (laughs) I'm sorry I think that my unwillingness to commit and be patient um right now is heavily due to the fact that you know, we're stuck in isolation. And right now I want to read things that I like that will make me feel good. And if on a winter's night a traveler was just not doing it for me, part of it is also circumstantial. And it's just unfortunate that that had to be the book. In the end, I'm not sorry (laughs) that I'm giving up on it. Uh, I hate leaving things unfinished, but I think it's for the best. And uh, maybe I'll do a Wikipedia search of what happens in the end so that I can get closure. I did start reading The Enlightenment of the Green Gage Tree by Shokufe Azar. That was the third book on my list. Uh, This book is set in Iran, just outside of Tehran, in the years after the Islamic Revolution. I'm learning a lot. Uh, I, I really didn't know much about that period of time in history in that country. Her writing is incredible. It's very reminiscent of Gabriel Garcia's uh, writing in that it's it's also magical realism. It's really cool. I'm enjoying it so far. It's pretty heavy. I am excited to keep reading that. I think that's going to get me back on the horse um, and I will continue with that and let you know how I go. Okay, so uh, presently my house is being circled by helicopters and there's also construction going on nearby, so I'm sorry if you can hear it. Uh, For some reason, I I keep seeing all these memes about how, like, there are no planes in the sky, it's so quiet, and I'm like, 
but there are so many helicopters. I don't understand. Anyway, um, it is now Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday. This episode is going up on Sunday. So in order to have time to edit and transcribe this episode, I am going to try and finish the enlightenment of the green gauge tree today might be a little difficult considering I am just over halfway through. I have 122 pages to go and it's also an ebook and I feel like I find myself not being able to read ebooks as quickly as physical books because I just, I don't love looking at a screen for that long. So hopefully I can do it, but that is my plan for today. I just finished The Enlightenment of the Green Gauge Tree by Shokufe Azar. It's quite short uh, and I read most of it last night um, and then just finished it off this morning. I didn't love it. I, I enjoyed it. I think I liked the writing style. I think it's a very well-crafted story with lots of metaphor and allegory um, and the imagery is is wonderful. I really like the magical realism aspect of it. Uh, I think that's really well used and uh, I think she does that really well. Have I talked about what this book is about? It's about a family who's living in Tehran just after the Islamic revolution and they move to a little town outside of Tehran called Razan and it's about this family and, and just how they live and what they do and we discover very early on that the main character, the teenage girl, uh, she's about 12 or 13 uh, she's narrating the story from first person but sometimes we go into third person and check in on other people and we discover early on that she is a ghost and she is communicating with her family as a ghost and so a lot of it a lot of this book is about death and we're following this family of five people uh, two parents and three kids and how they each come in contact with death uh, and how they live and find peace in the traumatic time that they're living in there are a few reasons that this book didn't really work for me. Uh, the first being that I found the timeline really jumpy. It was really confusing. Sometimes we would jump forwards and backwards in time. The author would always mention the year that it was, but I would just forget and I would get really confused about what was happening when. So uh, that was an aspect that I didn't love. The other thing was that I felt that the balance between talking about uh, the politics of the time and about how this impacts the family, I felt that the balance wasn't quite right for me. Like sometimes there were whole sections about the politics of what was happening at the time, but most of the time we were talking about the family and those two things didn't necessarily intersect all the time. So it was kind of difficult to understand what was happening in the political climate that they were living in and what was happening to the family and how these two things influenced each other. Um, I don't think that was made clear a lot of the time and so that was kind of confusing to me as well. I really liked the ending but I didn't like the lead up to the ending. Um, I, I'm not going to spoil it but I, I felt that the ending was beautiful but I wish that more little seeds had been planted uh, throughout the story to bring us to the ending, if that makes sense. I felt that the build-up to the ending uh, wasn't enough, and though I liked it, it didn't quite uh, make sense in the flow of the story to me. Also, there was quite a, a graphic and intense assault scene towards the end that I really did not like and did not think was necessary because we hadn't seen 
that type of violence uh, before in the book and then to, to put it right at the end, I, it just made me uncomfortable. I, I didn't enjoy reading it and I, I don't think we got the right amount of closure from that. In terms of reading this as a translated work, there were a lot of footnotes in this book, like a lot. Um, I think at the end it, it turned out to be 50 something, like that's the number we got up to. I imagine all of these footnotes were written by the translator. Sometimes these footnotes were explaining words or phrases that were difficult to translate. For example, there's one point where she's talking about a chicken and she's saying that the chicken gets up every morning and loudly asks all creatures, coo, 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 with a question mark after each coo. And there was a footnote at the end of this saying that in Persian, coo is a shortened version of koja or koya. I'm not sure how you say that, uh, which means where. So that's kind of a double meaning there that that's kind of impossible to translate into English. So um that double meaning was made clear by the footnote. So we had a few footnotes here and there explaining uh, translations and certain things that you were unable to translate. But most of the footnotes were explaining cultural things in Iranian culture or Persian culture or Islam that wouldn't be familiar to an Australian audience. Um, so, for example, the first one that I came across that I highlighted describing how people tap a pebble on a headstone and murmur, there is no God but God. And so that's the first footnote. And it says, in Iranian culture, it is common to tap a small stone against the headstone and say there is no God but God. The tapping is to wake the spirit of the dead to hear recital of this phrase. The book was scattered with footnotes like this, just explaining little elements of Iranian culture and Persian culture. I don't know if it enriched the story or if it was absolutely necessary. I think, I do think that without them, we would have been missing certain elements and subtleties that Azar had woven into the book. But I was able to understand the meaning or the general meaning of what she was saying from the context. And so I didn't think it was particularly necessary to have all of these footnotes. And in some cases, I found it distracting um, having to be taken out of the world of the story and read an explanation and then go and dive back in. So I guess it just comes down to the preference of the reader. And I, I understand why it was done because without it, you know, we wouldn't get everything that Azar put into the novel. But I just thought it was an interesting choice. And I also think it's interesting, especially when talking about translation, because here we not only see a translation of language, but also a translation of culture within that. Um, translating something that is written from the perspective of a different culture and lots of little things that uh, that audience would immediately understand have to be uh, translated to fit an Australian audience. Overall, I did enjoy the book, but I didn't love it. I would be interested to read more from this author. I know that this is her only novel that has been translated into English, but I would like to read more from her and hopefully I can find one of her works that I really love. Uh, so overall, I'm giving this three stars. So at the beginning of this, I set out to read three translated works in one week and I definitely failed because <laughs> I read two and a bit in two weeks. So just to recap, I read The Impossible Fairy Tale by Han Yuju, translated from Korean by Janet Hong, and I rated that four 
stars, four and a half stars, maybe. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I read 30% of If on a Winter's Night, A Traveler by Italo Calvino, translated by William Weaver. Any book that I don't finish, I don't want to give a rating. So that counts as a DNF. And finally, I read The Enlightenment of the Green Gage Tree by Shokufe Eza, translated from Farsi by Adrian Kizek. And I rated that one three stars. So what have I learned from this experiment? Um, that I can't read three books in one week? <laughs> it's kind of interesting, the three that I picked. It kind of happened by accident. The first one, The Impossible Fairy Tale, is about books and stories connecting with characters and you know, our character's real, our story's real, all of that stuff. And If On A Winter's Night Traveler does the same thing. It's, it's very meta in the same way that The Impossible Fairy Tale is. We are going into various stories and meanwhile reading about someone who is reading the story that we're reading. Again, it's about storytelling and very meta and inception and all of that. And then The Enlightenment of the Green Gage Tree is magical realism and incorporates elements and... Um, the style of Persian storytelling in that lyrical, magical realism way. And at the same time, I'm also reading 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez for the discussion pick this month. So even though that book isn't part of this episode, I'm reading that as well. And it's told in a very similar style. And there are a lot of similarities between these two books. And furthermore, The Enlightenment of the Green Gage Tree references 100 Years of Solitude. And I read an interview with the author and she says that that's her favorite book of all time. It's kind of weird that I accidentally chose these three books plus 100 Years of Solitude. And they all kind of have parallels and they all kind of connect to one another. And I don't know if it's a result of um, just what I'm interested in as a reader and, and what I'm drawn to. But it's it's quite cool to think about that and to think that I accidentally chose these these books that all have similarities and all explore what it means to tell stories. You know, this episode and this theme this month is about the different ways that we tell stories and how that can be translated into different languages, into different cultures and to appeal to different audiences. And so I think that that's a really cool, happy accident that happened. If I've learned anything in reading a bunch of translated works in a short space of time, it's that there are so many subtleties that are lost when translating from one language into another. And it does sometimes make me feel like I'm not reading the same book. Uh, if I grew up surrounded by Persian culture and Iranian culture, then I wouldn't have to read all of these footnotes. I would understand it better. If I spoke Korean, I would understand all of the subtle word plays that Han Yuju put into her novel. Overall, I really enjoyed this challenge and I would recommend it to people. I think if you are interested in reading something from a particular genre or reading translated fiction, then um, reading just those types of books in a concentrated space of time is really interesting to pick out the similarities and the differences. So if you want to, give it a go. I had lots of fun and it's really cool that I have found a new favorite book now, uh, The Impossible Fairy Tale by Han Yuju. I really loved that. So I'm really happy that I read something that I loved that I wouldn't have picked up if I hadn't done this challenge. 
before I sign off, I want to remind you that the discussion pick for this month is 100 Years of Solitude by Gabrielle Garcia Marquez. The discussion episode for that is going to come out on the 24th of May. That's a Sunday. So you have one more week to finish it. I've been reading it on audiobook and I highly recommend it. I'm loving it. I'm loving it, but I'm going to save my praise for the episode. So please read along. It'll make it so much more fun um, because it's going to be filled with spoilers. And then for the last episode this month, there is an extra Sunday in May. So on the 31st of May, I will be releasing a little bonus episode that is going to be super fun. And I will give you the hint of Apple. That is the hint for what I'm going to be talking about on the 31st of May. (laughs) It's probably way too hard, but I'll give you another clue. I'll give you another clue in the episode where we talk about 100 Years of Solitude. So stay tuned for that. Finally, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, you can subscribe on iTunes or you can rate and review on your podcast platform of choice. You can follow the community library on Instagram at the underscore community underscore library or use the hashtag the community library on Instagram or Twitter. I also have a blog, angowrieslibrary.wordpress.com and there you can find full transcriptions of the episodes plus extra links and resources and all that fun stuff. The podcast artwork is designed by Ash Ashley Running. You can look at more of her work at ashleyrunning.com or you can go to helio-press.com. That's dash the symbol. Once again, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you next week. Bye. Oh, there's a spider. Okay. Okay. I guess we will find the spider later. Living in Australia, am I right?